Raiders Daily with Jason Mertides. Thursday, April 15th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Flyers back in action tonight. 14 games remain on the 2021 NHL schedule. And tonight, it's Flyers-Penguins at PPG Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh right now holding down that third spot in the East Division. They're pretty well solidified in their playoff positioning. 56 points through 42 games, a record of 27-13-2. They're 8-2 and in their last 10. They've won three straight, and they're plus 28 in goal differential. Flyers come into this game, 42 games played, 44 points. 19-17-6 is their record, 4-4-2 in their last 10. They've lost their last two, and they are minus 31 in goal differential. We're going to get to Twitter questions coming up in just a little bit. One of the subplots, of course, of this game, though, is the fact that Jeff Carter was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins on deadline day. Now, Jeff Carter signed a contract 10 years ago with the Flyers. 10 years ago. It's hard to believe that it was 10 years ago. It was a 12-year contract. He's got the remainder of this season and next season where he's still under contract. There are some rumors that he may retire after this year. If he does do that, then there would be some recapture fees on the cap for a couple of teams that he played for, including Columbus. And God, he was traded from Columbus, I think, eight years ago at this point. And also the, the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins would actually get a little bit of cap relief in the in this scenario. But uh, Jeff Carter has played a long time. He debuted in the NHL in 2005-2006 with the Flyers and played 81 games that year. Had 23 goals in his rookie season. 23 goals, 19 assists, 42 points in his first year. Uh, his high watermark with the Flyers, he had an 84-point season after the 08-09 season. Played all 82 that year, scored 46 goals, had 38 assists. And you're going, wow, this is a big pivot up the middle. Guy that's got an incredible wrist shot. I still don't know that I've ever seen Jeff Carter take a slap shot, to be honest with you. And that 46 is the most goals that he scored any time in his NHL career. Uh, he never got over 40 again, although he got into the 30s on numerous occasions. He had 29 in his third year with the Flyers, but he followed up that 46 with a 33-goal season in 74 games, a 36-goal season in 2010-11 uh, with in 80 games that season, had 66 points. Never got back around that 80-point that mark. He got into the 60s several times, but that one year, the 2008-2009 season, which happened to be a contract year, uh, he puts up 84 points, 46 goals, 38 assists, and you can't even sign contracts like he signed, back-diving deals and ways to circumvent the cap. Uh, but it's amazing that he signed that 12-year deal, and if he does play next year as a Penguin, I guess, then he will have fulfilled that entire contract. He only signed contracts with the Flyers, and he hasn't been with the Flyers since uh, that summer of 2011 and 2012. He was sent to Columbus where he played only 39 games and then got traded to L.A. and rejoined uh, forces with Mike Richards. But all said and done, in L.A., in the 10 years he was there, he played 580 games. He had 383 points, 194 of them goals. With the Flyers in the six seasons, he didn't play that many less games, 120 less games in six years, uh, in 461 games, 181 goals, 162 assists, 343 points. So in less games, he had more points per game, only 40 less points 
in six years in Philadelphia than he did in 10 years in L.A. Of course, he's been injured quite a bit as well. But a dynamic talent, Jeff Carter, and we'll see him tonight. And at this point, too, he's played 16 years in the National Hockey League, over 1,000 games. He's got over uh, 750, he's got 751 points. He's got a great career. And uh, it, it's funny to let him think, look back at Jeff Carter and remember as when he came in with Mike Richards and they went on that Calder Cup run and won the Calder uh, Trophy with the AHL Phantoms uh, across the street at that time. And he was just this kid, and now 36 years old, married, kids of his own, and uh, been playing 16 years in the National Hockey League. He did deny the Kings the opportunity to trade him on a couple of other occasions in the past couple of years. He did have the no-move clause, uh, but he waived it to go to Pittsburgh. He sees something maybe in Pittsburgh where they can make a run this year. And boy, I didn't see this coming with the Penguins at all. I thought they were a team that was not going to be able to push and, and be able to. I thought they were a team that could make the playoffs, but I don't. I didn't see them as a legitimate team that could go on a run. We'll see how they perform in the playoffs. They haven't won a playoff round since the year they won the Cup, at, when they won the back-to-back Cups. It's been three years now that they have not won a round in the playoffs. But we'll see if they can, If you know, the bolstering of the roster with uh, the deadline and, and Sidney Crosby, and if Malkin gets healthy, uh, we'll see how it goes for the Penguins. I know that's salt in the wound for Flyers fans, but... Uh, we'll get a look at Jeff Carter tonight, and it'll be the first time we see him in a Penguin jersey, and that'll be weird. It will definitely be weird. It was strange enough seeing him in a Columbus Blue Jacket jersey for just 39 games and then in a Kings jersey, but you kind of got acclimated to that with all the years he spent in L.A. and won two cups there as well. But uh, in a Penguin jersey, that's going to be a little bit more difficult to swallow, but uh, uh, well, that'll be on the table for tonight. So Flyers-Penguins tonight, Flyers-Caps back at the Wells Fargo Center coming up on Sunday or Saturday, and then Sunday it'll be Flyers-Islanders also at the Wells Fargo Center. So three games in four days, a lot of hockey coming up. A uh, little break next week, a couple of days off for the first time again uh, for the Flyers, and they could certainly use the regroup. And, boy, one of the things we'll be watching for in this game is exactly what we talked about on yesterday's episode and what Chuck Fletcher's talked about. Uh, this is an interesting time to to really find out about certain players, um, about how they're going to handle playing out the rest of this season. Are they going to just kind of go into summer break now, or are they going to, you know, work until the job is complete, until the season's over? Uh, that tells you a lot about a player. So tonight will be very interesting. The first test uh, uh, against the Capitals the other night, first test after the trade deadline, was not passed. It was not. It was not a good effort, and it needs to be better. We'll see if we see that tonight. But let's get to Twitter questions. We have not done this in a while, so I figured we'd take this opportunity uh, to go through a few of these tonight, and I'll get through as many as I can, and then uh, perhaps we'll hit some more uh, later in the week as well. But let's start with Steve. He said, with the Eagles, he said, I could, in hindsight, see how the entire last season could have been different if they hadn't blown a lead in the first game. I disagree with that, by the way. He said, and then he said, do you think there was a similar turning point in the Flyer season where everything all of a sudden turned the wrong way? Now, that's such a good question. And I don't know that I have one. You know, football in 16 games in a season is so different than even a 56-game season in the National Hockey League. But I wanted to go back and do my due diligence on this question and really think about that, Steve. And it's such a good question. And there are a couple things in particular that stuck out to me. Um, there's one game in particular, and things hadn't gone bad. We know the season started, and they had an 11-4-3 record 
through the month of February. So from January 13th to the end of February, 11-4-3. Good record, but we knew the process wasn't good. Team wasn't playing great. They were getting timely scoring. They were getting timely goaltending. They were finding ways to win. And at that point, we all thought, hey, they were a really good team last year. They never lost back-to-back. This is a team that good teams find ways to win games. And and th- we felt that's what they were doing. But there were a couple things in there that really stuck out to me. There was a game in on January 21st that really irritated me. I've brought it up a couple of times uh, in interviews on, on the podcast and also just individually on the podcast. Because I, while I fret the loss of Matt Niskanen, I look at two teams, Washington and I look at Boston. And last year, the Flyers were great against Washington and very good against Boston. Why? Well, they had a top pair that could minimize the damage their top offensive lines did to you. Ovechkin didn't score a goal on the Flyers last year. This year, he's gone off. Now, why is that? Well, you don't have that strength of a top pair to line match and get out on the ice every time they're on the ice. You're not going to stop those lines entirely, but you can limit them. And without having that bell cow top line, top pairing defense with Niskanen and Provorov, then those lines have feasted this year. Ovechkin's feasted. Backstrom's feasted. Obviously, Bergeron has feasted. Marchand and Pasternak. They've all feasted. Not to mention penalty kill. So I go back to one game, though. And again, it was on January 21st. It was against Boston. And Flyers lost that game 5-4 to four in the shootout. That bothered me. But not nearly as much as the game did on February 3rd. To me, this was the pseudo turning point even though after that they played some decent hockey but on February 3rd at the Wells Fargo Center the Flyers are up in that game and then they're up three to one and then in the third period there's this is where the wheels kind of fell off the wagon in that game late in the third period the Flyers gave the the Boston Bruins a power play about the ten and a half minute mark Nicholas Albay Kubel in the neutral zone closed his hand on the puck. Put Boston on the power play, down two in the game. Three ones the score. They score on the power play, David Pasternak. Later in the game, again on the power play, because Kevin Hayes got a hooking call in the offensive zone. A lot of people that night didn't like the call. They're up by one, and Kevin Hayes got the offensive zone hooking call along the boards, sent Boston back to the power play. David Pasternak scored on the power play with the goaltender pulled, six on four, got it to overtime. That's with nine, with 15 seconds left. And then just a couple of seconds later, Scott Lawton, I think with seven seconds left in the game, was called for interference. It put uh, the Boston Bruins back on the power play in the overtime, a four on three. And 31 seconds into the overtime, Patrice Bergeron scored on the man advantage. And the reason I had a problem with it, and the reason why I look back on it now and say, hey, maybe that was the turning point, is this because with Matt Niskanen around, maybe you think some of that wouldn't have happened. But the Flyers, what they did is they stole defeat from the jaws of victory and they put their opponent in a position to let the opponent's strength beat them. They teed it up. Boston, power play with that line. 
and it was mental mistakes, penalties. And that game, to me, was the turning point. Now, after that game, they had a couple games still prior to that where uh, before their COVID pause and before they went to Tahoe and all that. But that 4-3 loss on February 3rd, then they lost two days later to Boston again, 2-1. to one. And then on uh, Sunday, February 7th, they beat Washington 7-4. to four. Now, Ovechkin went off in that game. He had four points. But the Flyers won that game. And then that's when their COVID pause hit. They came out of the pause on February 18th, back-to-back losses to uh, the New York Rangers in the shootout and the Boston Bruins. Then they won three straight. Now, two of those were 3 nothing shutouts over Buffalo. And then March hit. But if you're looking for the turning point, David, Wednesday, February 3rd, 4-3 loss in overtime against the Boston Bruins. To me, that's it. That's the game. That's the game right there. All right, let's go to Tim Tobin's question. He says, after uh, the game the other night, I'm officially out of words for this team, but I'll be listening to the episode still. Well, my only response to that, Tim, is that's because you're loyal and you're a good man and you skate your next shift. Um, Chadley Heed uh, tweets in and says, not really a question, but just a simple request to help us identify some hope. Ooh, Chadley, that's hard right now. But there is hope. And, uh, you know, sometimes we do get caught up in the doom and gloom of the moment. But there's a couple things you need to remember. And I think this is important. Is this team was really good the year prior with pretty much all of the same players except Matt Niskanen. And you look at it this year and you go, yeah, but they so many of the young players regressed. Okay, that's true. I agree with that. But they can go right back to that level or beyond that. And hopefully, you know, you hope that they learn from this season. And it was a unique season. But do you? it all depends on how you look at the 2019-20 season. Do you look at that as, well, that was luck? Or do you look at this one as, this is really who they are, that was luck? Or do you look at it like, hey, they can get back to that. Maybe they, they weren't as good as we thought they were, but they're not as bad as this. I think there is hope. But the, the big thing is this, and I hope this gives you hope, Chadley, because it does me. I think, based on the words of the general manager and his uh, media availability on deadline day, on Monday, and what he said right here with Bill Meltzer and I, uh, in our one-on-one or two-on-one conversation, it was an odd man rush. I think that it's pretty clear that this general manager is going to make some some change, some significant change. Now, is it going to be the right change? I think at this point, you have to make change. You have to force it, and you have to do what you have to do to get this lineup to fit better. Better. <clears throat> get this lineup to fit better on and off the ice. That's what has to happen. And I think that the general manager is going to do that. And when he he brought up about the assets and using assets to fill holes, I think he's going to be aggressive this summer too. So I'm, I, I sent a text to Bill Meltzer uh, the other day. I think it was yesterday I sent this to him. And I said to Bill, I said, I already can't wait for next season to start. Why? Because it's going to be a normal 82-game season. And like – I hate the fact that they're pretty much playing out the string right now. I do. Like, I want to start fresh. I want to start anew. I can't wait to see the changes that come this summer because I think there's talent here, but it just doesn't fit right now. But with a couple of changes and savvy, smart changes, and Chuck Fletcher's a smart man, I think that that could change really quick. 
I don't think this is a teardown. I think that, you know, the people that are tweeting and saying, oh, they need to just get rid of everybody and start over. Well, tell me how that works in hockey. That doesn't work. Don't even don't even tweet that because it's foolish. You don't just get rid of everybody and tear down. It doesn't work like that. How are you going to get rid of everybody? You're just going to have a fire sale and, and like put everybody, you know, their name tag in your driveway and and advertise for a garage hockey sale. It doesn't work like that. But you can make some savvy deals and you can change things. And there are pieces that have value value here. Despite the fact that it sucks right now, there is value here. And there is value to other teams, and you can make moves. Nick Roberts tweets in and says, Do you believe the Flyers should look in the offseason to shed salary to bring in a number a number one top-pairing D-man, a strong 200-foot forward, entice Seattle to take Jake or potentially a buyout? I like Jake as a player, but I believe he is replaceable. A couple of questions there. Uh, do I believe the Flyers should look in the offseason to shed salary to bring in a, number, a top-pairing D-man? Yes, 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 yes. It was the biggest need I question mark and need I, I talked about before this season even started. And I just, for the reasons I just mentioned, top lines, the perfection line with Boston, Ovechkin's line with the Caps, they have feasted on the Flyers this year. So yes, if Dougie Hamilton makes it to free agency, I back up the truck. Absolutely. Six foot five, 235 pound defenseman, Going to be in his prime at 27 years old, right shot, perfect. And I don't have to give up anything to get him. I just got to commit a lot of cap space to him, and I'll do it. As far as a, a strong 200-foot forward, uh, I I got to get a forward. Here's what I want. And I, I love Jake Voracek, but this is not the forward I want. Jake Voracek is a, a play driver. There's risks to his game, I know that, but he's a setup guy. I need to get a guy, a forward. I think I said this in yesterday's episode. That when he gets the the puck and is in position to shoot, and he's below the top of the circle, every player on his line knows that there's no chance they're getting the puck back. They're not going to get a pass. They know to drive the net for a rebound because that player, it's not selfish, but he's a scorer. Not not a sniper like Patrick Line, because those players are too hot and cold. But a guy that is going to shoot the puck. That's what I want to get. Again, I don't need a guy like Lane. I don't need a guy. If you give me Tarasenko, I'd take him. But I, I don't need a guy like that. But I need a guy that's got a shoot-first mentality. There are a lot of guys that want to distribute. And I get it. And it's the team thing to do. And it's not selfish. Well, I'd need a guy to be a little selfish. Uh, Christine Gennetti tweets in. She said, first, thanks for being the voice of reasoning during this nightmare of a season. You're welcome. Um, I I haven't done a good job of being the voice of reason very much. Uh, She said, second, do you think the goaltending south in March, going south in March, caused the D to meltdown or vice versa? Just seems like once Hart got wobbly in net, the wheels fell off, and now team confidence is shot. Uh, Great question. I think, look, last season, they were not great defensively at limiting east-west passes, cross the slot line, and rush opportunities, but they survived it, and Carter survived it. This year, I think it was a little bit different. Um, the quality of those shots was a little higher, especially the east-west passes um, across slot line. They were a little bit more difficult, and they were a little bit more in. They were a little bit more often, and once the goaltenders, Durs plural, Hart and Elliott, kind of got wobbly with that. 
some bad habits creeped in and some depth issues. And, and I, think, I think it all compounded. I don't know what caused, what was the, you know, the cause that, or which one was the reaction to the cause. I, my, I believe that it was more environment that started it. So poor D-zone coverage that, you know, kind of greased the skids to a goaltender struggling. But a lot of people are going to say I say that because I, I love goaltending. But to me, the environment was the cause, uh, the root cause, and then it all became a problem. Uh, Robert K tweets in. He says, I've completely lost face in everyone up and down in this organization. Do you share the same sentiment? No, I don't. I think there's still talent here. I think that Elaine Vigneault is still a really good coach. He's one of the best coaches in the league. He was a runner-up for the Jack Adams the year prior. D- does he not know how to coach anymore? Again, did somebody come with, like, the Will Smith men in black pen and just erase his ability to coach from his brain? No. It, they're, again, they're not as good as they were the year before. And they're not as bad as they are this year. They're somewhere in between. Are they closer to the team they were the year before? Or are they closer to being the team they are this year? Does the circumstance of this year make make it more likely that they're closer to the team they were the year before? I don't know. We'll find that out in time. But, look, I understand why you've lost faith right now. I really do. But there's some good players here. Like, I, I see some of the people going, ah, get rid of Konechny. He st-. Like, seriously? Like, if you want to trade him, I'm fine with that. And I don't hang up the phone if a GM calls an ass. But if you get calm-minded a little bit, like, he, he's a good hockey player. He's still young. He scored 24 goals last year in 66 games. He was on a 30-goal pace. Yeah, he didn't score in the bubble. He struggled at points this year. He's piling up some nice numbers now. But I I, I know this, there's like this let's throw the baby out with the bathwater thing. So I don't know. Uh, there's some talent here. But there's also areas that need to be fixed. And there are holes. So there is a chemistry issue and there is a talent issue. And both of those, I believe, will be addressed this offseason. All right, let's just take one more question here, and I got a, there's a bunch more. I'm sorry, I'm not going to get to everybody, but um, Jake tweets in, and Jacuizzi ITH is his handle, and he says, given the slim chance of playoffs, what positives can we possibly see to build for next year in the games down the stretch? I think there are some, and here, here's what I think. And, and, and it's hard, like, when you're out of the playoffs or you know your team's not going to make it, it's hard to find the positive because you're like, we know what the NHL playoffs are like. They're great, right? And we're not going to be invited to the party. It's like, hey, you know, there's great parties coming, but you also know you're not getting an invitation. So how the heck am I supposed to be happy about it? You're not supposed to be happy about it. You're supposed to be angry about it. But as far as positives that we can see down the stretch uh, for next year, look, again, what I talked about with Chuck Fletcher, he's going to look at these players and the guys that go out there and play the right way and act professional and play professionally, then he is going, you know, that's going to go a long way into his determining who, who who stays and who goes. I think there's there's other elements, like Sam Moran, I think is an interesting one. Shane Gostisbehere, uh, you know, can he continue his good offensive play? Um, can it can Travis Sanheim become a bit more consistent? Phil Myers as well, who's been in and out of the lineup. Nolan Patrick. I think there's a lot of intriguing elements here that we, that, you know, we can get data on. And some people go, well, he played great then when the Flyers were out of it, so it doesn't mean anything. Well, I... I agree to, to, to some extent. 
But I think there are some intriguing storylines, not to mention Carter Hart, not to mention how the team responds. You know, there, there are some elements here. It, does Travis Konechny continue to play really well? So I think there are some, some positives that we can, you can take out of it. You know, the special teams has been a little bit better, the penalty kill at points. So you got to see those things. And, you know, you're not going to get anything earth-shattering because the pressure's off, but you sh- we should get some information, and I think that that's interesting. You know, Joel Farabee's had such a great year. Let's, let's see what he can continue to do. You know, we're going to see Tanner Lazinski the rest of the way. We could see Wade Allison as soon as tonight. I think we're going to see Wade Allison. I think we're going to see Cam York. These are all positives. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. It's Flyers-Penguins tonight. Flyers-Penguins with Jeff Carter tonight. And we'll talk to you on a brand-new Flyers Daily coming up tomorrow. Enjoy your hockey tonight. I was a little too tall, could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hollering down. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes. And points all her own, sudden way up high.